what I love about her as a vocalist in general is that you believe that she believes every word she is saying, always. That's what I think makes a good vocalist, personally, but um, more than even technical skill. But mm-hmm. so she just put her energy is so forceful in this that you just hop on the ride. And um, so it's just fun to like play this and sing along and like shout along and damn and act it out and be like pretending to shoot a gun. <laughs> uh, not that I endorse that, but you know. And but what's interesting because it's so fun, but it's also dark. It's, mm-hmm. She's talking about killing people, so it's fun because I I basically have made it a part of my vocabulary. Where I'll say <laughs> yeah. like, and when someone pisses me off, it's like I put them on the wedding list. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we are going to be talking about the sixth track from Kate's third album, Never Forever, called The Wedding List. And with me to talk about the song this week, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Zoe. I've been on a bunch of episodes in the past. <laughs> I did the intro episode for this album and also All We Ever Look For. And I'm really excited and very flattered to be doing this episode because this song is such a huge fan favorite that I'm happy to represent the many people who love it very dearly. Like amongst her fans, it is it always comes up as a big fan favorite. So I'm happy to, to rep for that. And it may not be in the in a top 10 for me, but it is definitely an honorable mention. That is for sure. Same, same. So. Honorable mention. Like, I think it's not, it, I really love it as a song. I don't know if it's like as technically good of a song as certain other ones. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. a difference between something being good and how much you enjoy it. Whereas, like, something like Night of the Swallow is such a technical masterpiece. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say this is a technical masterpiece, but it's just a blast. The The Wedding List is inspired by the Francois Truffaut film The Bride Wore Black, and you are the film nerd at hand here. Yes, so I, I haven't seen it in years. But Me basically, neither. it's funny because people always um, call this say the song like Kill Bill, but actually Kill Bill is a ripoff of The Bride Wore Black, and Quentin Tarantino claims he's never seen it, but it is literally the exact same plot, minus the like, Japan setting and ninja stuff. But... Um, but, but 
this actually based on the Brad War Black. Um, it's it's a film from the late 1960s, directed by François Truffaut, who was known as the director of the French New Wave. And this he was a huge Hitchcock fan. There's a big book, amongst huge amongst film nerds called Hitchcock or Hitchcock's Last Truffaut, where it's them interviewing each other. And so this was his attempt at making a Hitchcock movie. So the plot of the movie is a woman played by Jean Moreau, who is a phenomenal, wonderful actress who died last year. Check out any movie you can see with her, but especially Jules and Jim. That's her tour de force performance. My favorite performance in a movie by anyone ever. So Jean Moreau is marrying a guy and he gets killed at the altar. There was like a group of men who are behind the murder. So she tracks down every guy who was involved in the murder and kills them. It ends differently to this song. I don't remember the ending. When I went to Wikipedia, it says that she ends up, I think, like in jail or a mental institution and then yeah. finds another one of the guys in there and kills him. But, um, mm-hmm. but, so, but this one ends, they literally say ends in suicide. It's very different. So it's, I get the impression she probably, since it came out in the late 60s, she would have been like seven or so, like, like 10 or so. She probably saw it on TV in the early seventies or something and was inspired then. Yeah, and that was one that I, I remember seeing a couple of years ago because I had heard that the you know the wedding list was was inspired by that movie. And I watched it and I thought it I thought it was a pretty good movie. It wasn't an absolute favorite, but it was it was well done. It was I could tell it was sixties. It was cool. Yeah. It's not great. It's I mean in my objective opinion, it's not great. I saw it years before I even ever listened to Kate Bush. because I really am a film buff. Kate loves to do songs that are inspired by movies. She loves her movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and often, as I mentioned, she it's often like from seeing them on TV because she grew up in like pretty much the first generation of people. When she was born in 1968, it's like first generation people who were kind of raised on TV, so mm-hmm. used to seeing movies on TV constantly. Like for example, with Wuthering Heights, she saw that on TV. Night of the Demon as well, because that mm-hmm. came out well like, before she was born. So it's interesting how her sources of inspiration was coming from film, but also that was made possible by television because of the generation that she was a part of. Like she would have, if she had been born 20 years before, she wouldn't have pounded all these sources. Yeah, and also Adelius from this album too was inspired by mm-hmm. watching this movie called Song of Summer from, uh, there was a BBC movie and all that, which we talked about in that episode. So yeah, that's the so that's the story behind the song, and it was uh, it was first premiered during the uh, the really cool Christmas special. Oh my goodness, what a theatrical performance! <laughs> we'll talk about it later, but yes. this performance is cla- is a cult classic. It really is a big cult classic. Like if you're a Kate Bush fan, you know this performance, you mm. love this performance, and if you consider yourself a Kate Bush fan, you don't know this performance. Go on YouTube, look up Wedding List Christmas Special, and have the time of your life. Pretty much. And but we'll go into more later why it's so, so, so oh, good. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was, so it was inspired by that movie, but it's it. she's definitely kept the, um, the, the bride tracking down the killer who killed her husband, except that she's changed like the husband's name to Rudy. Why, Rudy? I'm no, maybe That's she thought a, it sounded yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll never understand. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big thing with me with this song. 
I don't understand where Voodoo came from. It's interesting because we talked in an earlier episode about in Wow how she randomly has the name Emily in the beginning, and then in your Don't Push the Foot Your Foot on the Heartbreak episode, you mentioned how she has the word Emma randomly in there. So she, I don't know why she just decided to call this guy Rudy, even give him a name. It, it just kind of comes out of nowhere because the thing is that she's such a deliberate songwriter and producer. Like you can tell she really mm-hmm. puts a lot of thought into everything she's saying that it's such a mystery why she went for that name. And also for even like for the first few times I heard it before I read the lyrics, I didn't even know she was saying the name. I, I just, she kind of just says things, things and you just are like, she's just making a noise, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I, I didn't really know. Yeah, so I didn't even know she was saying Rudy. I was like, who's so then when I was reading, I was like, who, who's Rudy? Like, what? Because <laughs> I went back and read the summary of the movie, and there was no one named Rudy. Mm-hmm. But anyways, just for someone who's such a deliberate songwriter and puts so much thought into her craft, it's interesting that she just kind of chose a random name. And mm-hmm. one day when I meet her, I'll ask her why. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I could think of is like, and maybe Rudy comes from Rudolph. It's a Germanic name. Uh, that is derived from the elements uh, for fame and wolf, and it was born by three kings of Burgundy and several Habsburg rulers. Um, I mean, all I can think of is that it rhymes really well with booty, which she does in a spectacular mm-hmm. fashion. So maybe she was <laughs> like, I need a word to rhyme with booty. Rudy. Could be, yeah. And it also said, it also booty. like, Rudy. I know, I love her little coyotes <laughs> there. <laughs> uh. So why is this song one of your favorite Kate Bush songs? I mean, you know, we were kind of talking, it's not in our t- either of our top tens, really, but... It's just so fun. It's just so, so fun. So mm-hmm. it's... Okay, so it's hammy. It's hammy. So as I in the my intro episode this, to the album, I talked about how there's the kind of what I consider the core of the album being the mm-hmm. Diva trilogy, which is Wedding List, Dylan, and The Infant Kiss which are basically three songs where she goes off, mm-hmm. where she is just being as wild and out there as possible. And to me, that forms what I love about this album and what I love about her as an artist is just that the guts and that she has to just do whatever and no matter how quote-unquote crazy it seems. And so I just think this song couldn't be more fun. It's like when you're, I mean, even when you haven't had a drink in you, but especially when you've had a drink in you, <laughs> just like, 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 I, like, really, like, I'll have, I'm, I'm exposing myself, I'm just nerve. Like, I'll have moments from like in my bedroom, basically, it's like playing it and like acting it out. It's like really fun. Mm. It's just such a fun story song. You have to, like, her, she just, what I love about her as a vocalist in general is that you believe that she believes every word she is saying, always. That's what I think makes a good vocalist, personally, but um, more than even technical skill. But mm-hmm. so she just put her energy is so forceful in this that you just j- hop on the ride. And um, so it's just fun to like play this and sing along and like shout along and damn and act it out, be like pretending to shoot a gun. <laughs> uh, not that I endorse that, but you know. And but what's interesting because it's so fun but it's also dark it's, mm-hmm. she's talking about killing people so it's fun because i i basically have made it a part of my vocabulary where i'll say <laughs> yeah. like and when someone pisses me off it's like oh, i put them on the wedding list and no one will necessarily know what that means but i know what it means and that's all it matters. you know it's just like it's a fun it's this like fun way to get out aggression which is i mean better to get out aggression through a fun song than through actually killing people 
So, you yeah. know, that's always good. But yeah, it just really embod- for me, I love this song. So it embodies the extraness, the over the topness, the wild, fun, bombastic energy of the heart of this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm with you on it. It's it is such a fun sounding and dark song. I love the contrast between the mm-hmm. dark murdering lyrics and the da 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 da. Just it sounds so happy. It's just oh my god. I love I love that dichotomy in this song. Yeah, and she does that in so many songs so yeah, well. Like when we talked about all we ever looked for, mm-hmm. that's the song where the lyrics are kind of borderline suicidal. And yet it sounds like you're taking a little prance to fairyland. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really, that's something she does more on this album than on other albums, which mm-hmm. is another thing that makes it special. And yeah, I know you love, has one of your, has, Two of our favorite vocal moments, but they're mm-hmm. two similar but different moments. And actually, mine—it's I have here in the notes that the, yeah, the long drawn out Rudy at the end, where she hits that high B flat oh. up there. <laughs> but then also starting at about three forty-eight, where she's just ah ah ah, and she just this yeah. big belt. Oh, the whole and, thing. It's oh. A- and then she does like this big belt and then goes into this. It's just like, oh my goodness. (laughs) It's just the whole thing. It's just, she's having like with the whole diva trilogy of those three songs, she just is having so much fun with her voice and using Mm -hmm. it as an instrument. And it's just so joyful and fun to listen to and to like lose yourself in and sing along to no matter how terrible you sound um, <laughs> in my case. And yeah, like, so there's just, especially the more she gets into it. So the beginning I like is very predatory, but then the more she mm-hmm. gets into it, it really builds and builds and becomes just so dramatic. And the vocals are so committed and so passionate mm-hmm. that you have to just buy into this and you, and love and more love it or hate it because this is something I absolutely understand people hating. This is a very divisive type song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. It's it's totally hammy. It's completely campy and hammy. It's not for everyone, but but among but it is a kind of a cult favorite amongst fans. And my favorite, and it has one of my favorite all time vocal moments. You love the Rudy, mm-hmm. so good. Um, and but I, my favorite moment is when she goes the heel of my booty. The fact that she can just do that with her voice effortlessly and all is just astounding. Mm-hmm. And she does it live too. So wow. yep. In terms of like the album, this is. I think that this is a a good song to come before the rockier violin. Like you get two songs in a row where she is just rocking out. <laughs> And, and it's also good because it starts off the second half. Like, so mm-hmm. if you're listening to it on vinyl, you turn it around, it starts with this. So you're basically uh. like, oh, man, we're in for a ride this half. Because the second half, Never Forever, is just, I love side one, but side two is just one wild and crazy ride. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, here we go. 
Yep. And it definitely continues her penchant for singing about dark subject matter. If this song were done in a less rocky manner, it could be a folk song because you got death, you got murder, you got a a pregnant woman who's killed herself. I mean, how much darker can you get? (laughs) So Kate fans, trivia alert, what song should you be thinking of right now? Pregnant woman killing herself? Kick inside, anyone? Hello? Exactly. Ding, 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 ding. Which is the self-based, which is based on a folk song. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because before Cecily pointed out that this, the actual content of the song is basically a revenge story. Like it's a classic revenge story, Mm -hmm. which is classic Irish, Anglo-Saxon folk material. So it really is, but, but with this, but it's done, I think the style of the lyrics is done in a more like modern way where, for example, I'll note later, she makes up some words. For example, she made up, you know, so, so it's, so it's not as, for example, whereas on the kick inside, the lyrics themselves sound like they, you're like, this sounds like lyrics from a folk song. As in folk, Mm -hmm. not as in like Bob Dylan folk, as in like, more than like Anglo-Saxon, Irish, English, Mm -hmm. it's like old folk stuff. But yeah, but it's interesting because like the king's side is a pregnant woman kills herself but and this is never really clarified i it's not clear to me whether she knows she's pregnant mm-hmm. when she kills herself um i per, i mean i'm just i'm also a therapist in my day job so i personally would say probably not because i feel like if since she loves rudy so much she would have been like oh if i'm pregnant i have a reason to keep going because i have part of rudy mm-hmm. with me because she clearly cares but but never know so yeah and i mean speaking of that when at the very end of the song where one of the backing vocals says you know it must have been rudy's child like who else like who i don't know what was there a dispute <laughs> i mean i actually i kind of looked at the line and i thought well could it be that that line means that the killer was perhaps a jilted her a jilted lover who is actually the father of that child that the heroine is carrying carrying and he was trying to get revenge perhaps i mean it's never clear for I that. Mean, i mean i could that could be just a wild speculation but it's like yeah i've never read it that way but the thing is the bridge says all of the headlines said passion crime clearly there's some reason that people think it's a passion crime the way that i've always read this song is basically her husband is killed and basically like in the plot the bride were black she just goes to kill them all and then kills herself at the end even though which and the way we already mentioned suicide i guess we should have trigger warning for that but yeah i the, we can talk more about this later but the way the suicide brought up it always seems very abrupt and very strange and like i kind of almost like the song more without it it's basically at the end they're just kind of singing about how she killed a lot of people and they're like and then she committed suicide. I'm like, what? Okay, okay, wow, okay. Because I would think she'd be happy now that she had got everyone. But maybe, maybe she killed herself to escape the police or something. I don't know. Ah. Um, but yeah, that. But yeah, but it's interesting because there's a line that says, "And later, when they analyzed, they found the little one inside. It must have been Rudy's child." So I don't know. I just get the impression she didn't. Not that this really matters, but I get the impression that she didn't know she was pregnant when she won the killing mm-hmm. spree and then killed herself. Um, because it's like the later when they analyze seems kind of also kind of gross imagery, but eh. eh. Well, I mean, <laughs> like them. she's all she's all about like trying to t- talk about or reference uncomfortable things. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I feel like the way they bring it up, like, I mean, I don't, like, if, if you are someone who struggles with suicidal ideation, to then just have somebody, and then she committed suicide, I'd be like, what, what, you know? But, mm-hmm. like, that's also Kate Bushland. Well, it's actually, Mitch, you're talking about all this because she's, uh, Kate Bush has talked uh, quite a bit about this song. There was something back here we were talking about, and it reminded me of this quote that she she said from in 1981. She says, revenge is a terrible power, and the idea is to show that it's so strong that even at such a tragic time, it's all she can think about. I find the whole aggression of human beings fascinating, how we're suddenly whipped up to such an extent that we can't see anything except that. Did you see the film Death Wish and the way the audience reacted every time a mugger got shot? Terrible. Though I cheered myself. It's like me watching Game of Thrones and thirsty blew up the steps. I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. That's interesting because I feel like a lot of her music is about emotion in general taking Mm -hmm. someone over that it becomes overpowering. Even like, for example, the title track of Hounds of Love, that's what the whole, it's about the emotion of love becoming so overpowering that you can't really control it. And that happens in a lot of a lot of her work and like and the infant kiss which we'll come which we'll talk about later is that she's so overcome with this bizarre desire that she doesn't mm-hmm. know she doesn't know what to do with herself essentially so it's interesting because whether it's revenge or sadness or love or lust for a adult man trapped in the body of a child a lot of her music is about something that's so strong that's all you can think about And this is another one from Zigzag uh, from 1980. She says, Revenge is so powerful and futile in the situation in the song. Instead of just one person being killed, it's three. Her husband, the guy who did it, who is right on top of the wedding list with the silver plates, and her, because when she's done it, there's nothing left. All her ambition and purpose is all gone into that one guy. She's dead. There's nothing there. That's an interesting quote. It's kind of saying, like, basically, once Rudy's killed, her only purpose in life is to avenge him. And then without that, she feels she's empty. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, maybe if she knew she was pregnant, she would have felt more of a reason mm-hmm. to keep on going. I don't know. But it does speak to the nature of the what you were saying before, like revenge being so all consuming that once you've gotten your revenge, it's like, well, now what's left? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, there's no purpose. If you doctor only driving purpose in life, you don't have you need more than that. You get caught up in other people's fury. I thought it can be really fun. That's why people like these action movies where like, like shoot him up, you know, mm-hmm. or but yeah, but I think what she does here is different. It's like a more musical theater version, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's all set to it's getting, you got this dark theme set to happy sounding music in the key of E flat minor, which is perhaps one of the darkest keys anything can ever be in. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's sounding, uh, but it's also so intense. It's really intense. Mm-hmm. Like, there's such a, it's it was so intense, never lets up. Like, you feel like you're completely immersed in this world. So, I kind of, it's interesting. I don't really think of it as a half, like, the melody itself is, like, it is a more cheerful, upbeat melody, but I don't think of it as a happy sounding song. To me, it's just yeah. an intense song. I guess I don't really mean happy as in like, as I'm happy, but it's just, it's, yeah, yeah. it's got a, like it's upbeat. got a beat to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's not like the kick inside. Or even just a, uh, or a musical theater song, somebody having a moment. It's very musical theater. It's ve- it's like, and like a lot of songs this album, yeah, it's very musical theater. It sounds like it just came out of that, but also you're right in that it is kind of, it can be, like she did perform it at the, uh, that two years later, she did perform it live as with a straightforward rock band, producing us produce, playing it as a straightforward rock song. So it is a song that can just be a straightforward rock song. So speaking of the live performances, okay, which one do we want to dig into first? Do we want to do the Christmas special or do we want to do the uh, got to make sure the girls don't fall out uh, thing from I'm a Libra, so I'm, in, I'm too indecisive. Okay. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm a Capricorn. I don't know what that really means in the grand scheme well, of things. Well, maybe, maybe Christmas specials came first. Okay. Well, yeah, let's do that one first. <laughs> What's so great about this song is it's one of the only ones that we actually have a live non-lifting performance of. Hell yeah. So it just, it's and then, which is not the Christmas special performance, the one we'll talk about later, mm. but that is like finding like Atlantis or something, oh, which seriously. is huh, ironically the name of one of her demos. But you know, <laughs> but like they're just so it's so hard to find any live performance of her not lip syncing after 1979, yeah. and this is one of the few. And I'm so it's a, that makes it extra special. Mm-hmm. And I also will never we talk about this before we talk about it, even though it makes. I'll never understand why she gets invited to perform for Prince Charles. And she's like, I'm going to perform a song about killing people at a wedding. <laughs> like, I guess because it can be performed in a more straightforward rock manner, but very strange choice to perform for the Royal family. It is very interesting. I, I wonder why she chose this song to be honest, but same one, but yet another question to add, like add my list of things to ask mm-hmm. when I meet her. We already like 10,000 questions long. <laughs> so this was first performed for the Christmas special. Very famous performance. Um, it has an extended intro and kind of more audible strings in the chorus. And for some reason, the setting is the wild West. <laughs> God knows cricket, why. Cricket. What? <laughs> You kind of, I mean, it's just all things Kate Bush. You just have to cast aside asking why and just accept that it is what it is. Because there is so much of what she does makes no sense that you're just like, okay, just going to go with it. No, I'll never give up the hunter.
Yeah, the setting is the Wild West. Her brother, Patty, is both the killer and the preacher, it seems. Um, he's there in the brief mm-hmm. wedding scene where they basically reenact the the, the wedding scene from the, the Bride Wore Black. <laughs> I'm laughing because the wedding scene, oh, this performance, the wedding, her acting, I, I so basically, like, so in the performance, like, they, the, the groom gets shot and, like, her and Patty as the pastor are like, <gasps> they're like, they're pretend they're like doing the worst slash best acting ever of like <laughs> pretending to be horrified. And there's this like really dramatic slow motion as she twirls and she's like crying as if she's like, like a, it's like the most hilarious, like five-year-old kind of performing for her parents or something kind of thing. It's, but, it's, but that's what makes it so good. I'm like, this was put on the BBC. Like, I love that. And for Christmas, too. <laughs> well, nothing about the Christmas special has really anything to do with Christmas besides um, besides her performance in September will be magic again. It's pretty much just a showcase for her work mm-hmm. up to that point and some songs that hadn't come out yet, like such as this one. Yeah. Um, because this was from 1979. The album came out the next year. But yeah, it's like, I mean, again, why is it set in the Wild West? The same reason that she performs the Swan for Delius. God knows why. Yeah, that's what she does. But her, yeah, I like the Wild West. I like the there's the the wedding dress is just so loony. It's mm-hmm. like really like a weird hybrid of wedding dress versus like 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 the um, sex workers on Westworld kind of like I, I'm corset thing. And then her hair, she's wearing all the makeup in England, and then her hair is so fried. Like she like she looks like broke. It's really it's drag queen Kate. Like mm-hmm. when we talk about wow. I mentioned that she goes into drag queen Kate mode a lot, and this is drag queen Kate at it again. Her her acting is just so hilarious, and then she has these crazed. What she has, I'll put him on the wedding list. She has these crazed hand gestures that you know the internet is usually gift a lot, mm-hmm. um, and like the melodramatic melodramatic slow mo twirling. There's a lot. It's a very very gifable performance. She just does so many like hilarious facial expressions and weird hand things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a cult classic so you have to watch it it's really it's also it's, what's interesting is it's really more like a music video than a live performance mm-hmm. it's just after, yeah it, that's what I it doesn't feel it, which is what she does in terms of her live performances like if you watch the tour of life she tries to think make things more theatrical but this really feels like a filmed music video yeah it does especially because you're not just it. The camera is not always on a, what's obviously a stage, but it goes. It'll it cuts to the newspaper. They go for all the headlines said. All of the headlines said passion crime, and then goes to this other scene with uh, with her and and uh, Rudy getting married, and then goes back to the stage part. Like there's lots of cuts. Where it it definitely feels yeah, more like a exactly. music video than a I'm standing here on stage at the microphone and doing a live performance. Unlike the second time she ever performed this song, <laughs> right? Like there's actual like technical effects, so it's mm-hmm. very so it feels a lot like even compared to the other Christmas special performances where you see her just performing on a stage. Here, there's more like montage and things of that nature. And the song lyrics, it sounds like she she just, uh, she shot the guy and then she turned the gun on herself. 
But then in this mm-hmm. performance, the the guy playing Rudy, he gets up. And at first I, I watched it again and thought, oh, zombie Rudy. Yeah, he picks her up. <laughs> and, and then at the end, it, like, it looks like she hung herself or something. Like the way she kind of fought, falls, the way her body's falling. Yeah, I kind of see it as almost like she's descending into the netherworld with Rudy kind of thing. Mm. Like, I didn't even really see it as hangers. It, but but she does this hilarious thing. Again, it's, again this is Very on a video top. podcast because you just kind of have to watch it. But she does this thing where then she just, like, sticks her tongue out like like, like someone who's been hanged. Mm. Um, you're right. But but I kind of always just interpreted it as her being, like, carried off to death by to be with Rudy again. Yeah, I don't know who plays Rudy, which is interesting. I wish yeah, it had been Del Palmer. It was really funny. <laughs> I was trying to find that, like, to see, okay, who played Rudy? But I don't think there were any credits or anything like that for... No, but yeah, I re- I've i said many times, I'm like, oh, it would have been so funny if it was Del Palmer. Because this choice of making Patty both the priest who marries them and the assassin is really interesting. It kind of implies that it's inside job of some sort. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's... I don't remember what it is, but I remember in the Bradmore Black, there is some like big plot twist where it is some kind of inside job or something like that. I don't remember what the plot twist was, just was, oh, but, yeah. but yeah, because like she could have just, she had enough people in her band to have a different person play each role, but didn't. So that's a deliberate choice. I think it's kind of, she was probably, it seems like she kind of wanted to have fun, like kicking at and pretending to shoot her brother. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I forgot to mention a line that I really love mm-hmm. that kind of that speaks to that idea of her being carried away to death with him. Is I really like the line, I die with him again and again. Mm-hmm. That's probably like my favorite. Of, I think it's kind of it's a kind of very evocative and beautiful lyric. And it really does talk. It is very kind of a profound statement on grief. That is very true. And then she later says, I, an old, she refers to something called an old Chiruti. And I Googled, and that word does not exist. So it's interesting because it's some like precursor of 50 words for snow in a way where she made up a bunch of words. So it's interesting <laughs> that she's making it, she's literally making up words. She just made it to, ride up, to rhyme with booty and Rudy because she doesn't make up words. Like people think she's making up words a lot. They don't know what she's saying, but she's not, she doesn't often make up words. That's mm. quite unusual for her, for her. For some reason, it makes me think of like a weird diminutive for a cigar or something that you would yeah. smoke and you'd, and you're going to put out your put out your smoke, and so you throw it on the ground. And you like beat it out with your 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 boot to get it to stop burning. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe. Kinda... But I did some I mean I did some research, and like it's not even British slang, so hmm. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I was trying to do some stuff. But too, yeah, like, it's just an unusual choice for her. Or she or she picked it because she thought it sounded cool or something like that. Or maybe it sounded like Siggy, like your your cigarette. Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, she obviously her mind is a very complex and interesting one, but like, it's oh, an yeah. interesting word to think of. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably my favorite line, oh, um, there's gas in your barrel and I'm flooded with doom. You've made a wake of our honeymoon. Yeah. 
like that one too. It's just you get you hear that, and not only is it evocative, but it's like I'm Phil. I'm I am not in a good mood. Don't screw with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the you make a wake of our honeymoon. That's yeah, very evocative. I've mm-hmm. I've always liked that line a lot too. And then when we get in to talk about the demo, the demo version, there are a couple of lines in there that I wish had been kept in this version. But that's just me too. As much as I love this song, I think that like it's very, like it's very. I mean, I don't want subtlety from her, so mm-hmm. that's not. I'm not saying it's an insult. It's very unsubtle. But like, I feel like there's some lyrics in the demo version that are more poetic and subtle, almost that I kind of prefer. So the second time this was ever performed was for the uh, the, the Princess Trust charity uh, live at the Domination Theater on July 21st, 1982. I had to look up what the Princess Trust was because I had no idea what that was. It's a charity in the UK founded in 1976 by Prince Charles to help vulnerable young people get their lives on track. It supports 11 to 30 year olds who are unemployed and those struggling at school and at risk of exclusion. Many of the young people helped by the trust are in or leaving care facing issues such as homelessness or mental health problems or have been in trouble with the law. And interestingly, she was at, but she was actually a last minute replacement for David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that, yep. that yeah, so I, that's kind of when I wonder, when I think about why did she choose this song? I'm like, okay, maybe she's like, the band was already assembled. She's like, okay, maybe like this is the type of song that this band will be able to play. But it just is a really weird choice to perform mm. for the royal family about, kill, like, you're going to perform about, like, mass murder. Okay, like, like, I mean, all of her songs are dark material, but she could have done, I don't know, she could have done Wow or something. I don't, I don't know. Oh, they're not shooting the Vaseline. <laughs> that's <one>. that <laughs> true. Well, we are talking also about the same person who decided, okay, I'm about to go on a kid's show. I'm going to sing a song about some gay guys. True. But yeah, but she said, she, well, because as we'll talk about, she had a wardrobe malfunction. And then when she met the queen at one point in 2005, she like asked for the queen's autograph. And she later said in an interview, a more contemporary interview, that I don't have a very good track record with the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> She felt like she embarrassed herself with the queen because her because her son wanted an autograph. I think what I think is interesting about this performance is that she had some heavy hitters playing for her. She had yeah. the guitarist from the Who, Pete Townsend. She had Midge Err from Ultravox on the guitar. She had Mick Karn from the band Japan. Honestly, I'm not as familiar with Japan terribly much. I know of them, but because they're just like mm-hmm. they always pop in like hey you listen to ultravox you might like japan so i've heard a couple of their songs mm. but I'm not into them uh phil oh, are you into ultravox yeah oh i love ultravox well i haven't listened to much but i, my, I remember my mom had my non gate bush mom had like a picture of herself with midge Ur or oh. something and i was like i was like oh my god kate bush has pictures with midge Ur. i was like so I was like, look, I hear Kate Bush with Ur. And my mom was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my mom, get him. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that picture of her, of Kate Bush with Midger. Yeah, he had a really bad, creepy mustache at the time. Yeah, he did kind of, yeah. 
Yeah, she just kind of she's in the same outfit and from this performance, just kind of like hi, I'm hanging it's out. A great hi. outfit. I love look every time I've shown someone this performance who isn't familiar with her, they're like, oh my god, I love her outfit. It's a really fun outfit. She's a big poofy skirt, silk shirt with as we'll learn no bra under and like cowboy boots. Very fun. Yeah. Uh, she had Phil Collins on the drums, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool. She had the guy from playing keyboards from the group magazine, who I've only vaguely heard of, Dave Formula. Uh, Procol Harum, another keyboardist, Gary Brooker. And Peter Hope Evans was on harmonica. Forgot to look up what P- Peter Hope Evans did, but apparently he's part of an all-star band. So there you go. Lots of heavy hitters playing yeah. behind her there. Yeah, this is a must-watch performance because, as we said earlier, there's just she never performs live this way. Mm-mm. There's like basically this, and when she did breathing in 1986, and that's like it until before the dawn. And when she's running up that hill, in, I believe 1987 with David Gilmore. It's so it's a super rare oh. opportunity to see her perform live in like in an element that's a very kind of straightforward environment. Like, type of performance but still excelling at it like she doesn't need all the bells and whistles also fun fact about the i always like this quote that um part of her all-star band here phil collins once called her the most stoned woman in england (laughs) everybody must get stoned (laughs) so yeah but if you look up prince like the wedding list live on Mm -hmm. youtube you'll find the um christmas special version and you'll find this so when she's wearing like the orangey skirt that's that's this version and it's it's great her vocals are phenomenal um like she as you said she's able to reach the high parts but also there's this predatory energy especially at the beginning which is no i'll never give the hunt up there's just this really intense predatory energy um her voice has gone deeper since never forever Mm -hmm. in those two years but she's but it's but there's a richness and a rawness. She still hits all the raw parts really well, and she really embodies the hunting spirit of the song. And her yeah. growling is fantastic. Mm-hmm. She growls really well in it. It's such a good live performance that it makes me really sad about all the great live performances that we didn't get. Kate Bush.
Yeah, uh, going to into this performance, she just she comes out there. It's her in a microphone. Just no big theatrics behind her. I'm with you. Like I watch this and go, girl, why didn't you do more of these kind of performances? For all the great things yeah, you do with talent. theatrical, yeah, it's like sheer raw talent. We don't need all the bells and whistles. Just come on out and do your thing, you know. But that's just like only if the royal family calls, I guess. Of course, and then there's what makes the performance infamous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she gets she's almost through the song, and her the straps on her top break halfway through and she then goes from okay i've got my other arm out here just hanging here to okay gotta keep the girls in <laughs> it's very subtle you don't know you wouldn't really like honestly i wouldn't notice it unless someone pointed out to me but yeah towards the end her strap mm-hmm. breaks off and she because she has never worn a bra in her entire life if you see any photo of her it's very apparent that she's never wearing a bra so she's then at the end it's really cute she but she handles it like a total pro she oh. um it's really cute she like she's holding her one arm up and just kind of dancing around while holding the strap up just to keep it up and it's it's very endearing and cute and um you found the quote from under the mm-hmm. ivy um, which is the kind of most official biography of her, which is Midge Er later recalled it fondly as one of the highlights of his life, while Pete Townsend simply acknowledged at, quote, the power of prayer, which I mean, like, men, you know, <laughs> men are people or all I mean, women like her, too. So people are allowed to have crushes. That's fine. But also definitely speaks to the way she was viewed in the media at the time as a sex definitely. object and as a body. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, we see the prettiness and not the fact that uh, guys, you realize that she's really smart and intel and talking about some great stuff. You know, more than boobs. Just saying. Well, just like Pete Townsend being like the power of prayer. Like, so you just like get on stage with a woman and you're like hoping her top's gonna fall off. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> but that's life. Indeed. But I do. I do enjoy this performance, and it's. I love it's, it. It's just sad that she just didn't continue doing this kind of thing. It really is. Yeah. And there's, I want to mention, there's a third version, too. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's very strange. So in 1990, she appeared on an episode of a comedy show called The Comic Strip Presents. Um, the episode is called Les, L-E-S, Dogs. And it was very strange. Throughout her career, she's been asked to do acting. She was, especially early on, was asked to do acting parts, but always refused. But she has a soft spot for British comedy, has always said so. That probably led her 
to want to do this. So it's, it's very strange. I don't really understand the narrative. So if someone wants to explain to me, that'd be great. Um, basically, <laughs> she's a bride at a wedding. She's like a guest star. She's a bride on a wed- at a wedding. And it's kind of surrealistic. So at one point, so the song is playing, but people aren't getting... So it's weird because the song plays, and you're like, okay, they're playing it because it's at a wedding. But they're not really, no one's getting killed, not related to the song. And also because it's weird because she doesn't like to revisit her early work. So it's interesting that in 1990, she's like performing a skit to this song when she is very much a don't look back type person, type mm-hmm. artist. So then later on, I can't remember who it is. I should have watched it before, but like either the groom or one of the guests basically is just like having fantasies about her being in his bed and like having fantasies about like, walking in the bathroom and she's there she's in it pretty briefly but it's all on youtube it's like a blessed dogs the wedding list but it's, it's just i don't really understand the narrative logic of it it's very disconnected if someone's going to maybe it's just a british thing i don't know but i'm part british so i don't know it's very strange <laughs> but it but it isn't really it's just a really odd moment in her career because she pretty much never does anything where she's like using old songs and here she is like doing a acting sketch which she never does and she's even like topless in bed at one point although you only see her from the back so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an odd bit of Kate Bush curios out there on the internet is is there a scene where like somebody starts smearing her face with something yeah. okay that is with, what I was like, thinking with cake that kind of looks like poop too so I don't know if that's meant to be scatological or it's supposed to be cake it's, I, to be honest, I said, I don't really understand what's happening in it. <laughs> it's very confusing because there's like dream sequences, too, like where mm-hmm. the, the guy's fantasizing about being with her. So it, it's, just very, it's, it's quite confusing. Yeah, I, I remember watching that, too, going, eh, okay. I, I think I switched it off halfway through because it just, I didn't get what was going on. It was very, very yeah. interesting. <laughs> I was waiting for people to get killed. So I was like, well, okay, they must be using the song for a reason, but no. So speaking of other versions kind of of this song, so a, a couple of years ago, a demo version of the wedding list made its way to the interwebs and I can't remember how I came across it I think I must have just typed in Kate Bush rare or something like that into YouTube and up came this demo version of the wedding list that I'm gonna say was probably done after the tour of life but before the Christmas special because Mm -hmm. The, she had a couple of months to really like kind of decompress from all the traveling that she did and to start writing stuff for a new album. And her, her voice in this demo version is still pretty young. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it was in that, like that, like that window of like three or four months. Cause I've, I, I know I've read a quote somewhere where she said that she doesn't write when she's on tour then when she's on tour she's thinking about the show or whatever she's on tour so often that obviously she's always <laughs> oh i know <laughs> touring all the time you know but that she she kind of felt like when in that whole whirlwind of fame that she had in the first couple of years of her career that she didn't have time to just 
sit and write, which is what she really preferred. So I'm guessing that this was probably done like mid-1979. She was decompressing and she started thinking of the song. And because her voice is still young enough that it has to, it definitely has to be from there and it definitely was must have been done before the christmas special cuz that version on the christmas special sounds pretty similar to the album version so yeah this version the demo version sounds to me pretty much like a blueprint for the final version mm-hmm, um just the sure. vocals are a bit prettier as opposed to on the final version there's more raw and intense and like really giving into the emotion of the song yeah. here she's there's a bit like the vocals are more singing the words as opposed to embodying the words. But it's yeah. very pleasant. It's beautiful. I'm, it's a really, lo- it's a really lovely demo. Um, and there's some interesting lyrical differences that Sassy into it. But you can tell she's like, I, the reason I think that it's, um, I wish there was, with a lot of her demos, there's a confirmed date. But this one, there's not. I wish there was because um, it sounds as though as she is recording it, she is also planning out the production style. Mm-hmm. in terms of how the way that it's being recorded in the demo. So it, I would imagine that it was recorded around when you said, but maybe it was earlier. We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Because it sounds, you can kind of hear it, her laying down the production blueprint in the way that it sounds. Especially with the overlapping vocals at the end and a little mm-hmm. bit of like the timing with going back and well, forth yeah. between like her four, her, she likes to mix time signatures a lot. Like she'll have something in four, four and then sounds she go to two, four and then she'll go back to four, four. And I can definitely hear that in the pian- this it piano. It kind of reminds me of the Babushka demo mm-hmm. in terms of like the way in which it's setting up, not just the song, but also the way it's going to be produced. So, yeah, there's some definitely some lyrical differences. Um, she says maybe God wants you dead, too, instead of maybe fate wants you. To, I mean, she just changes or, or instead of fate instead of God. Um, we were just wed too happy to meet you. Rudy and me, we were one of two instead of he swooned and warm maroon. There's glass 
there's gas in your barrel and I'm flooded with doom. Oh my God, I love the rhymes in that line. Oh my God. Yeah, he swooned in warm maroon. That's that's one of those ones where like I literally no idea where she was saying that. So look it up. Me neither. But that's pretty. It's an interesting. I'm weird to think of that, but okay. And I agree with you on this. She says, I feel good in your blood and your pain instead of, and I'll feel good in my revenge. I wish that she kept that line. Me too. I like it better. Because it's, it's that good. like, it's that raw... I am pissed off and I am in the mood to kill. And it just, it works. It's like, song. yeah, it's almost like care. I am, it makes you sort of like hairy, you know, like covered in blood, like the prom. Oh yeah. Kind of thing. And then, yeah, it's more primal. It's, it's more primal. Mm-hmm. And this one also is more primal. I'll blow a hole right through your brain and said, I'm going to fill your head with lead. I wish you kept, I'll mm-hmm. blow a hole right through your brain. I'm coming Me too. <laughs> Me too. But I also like, Revenge stuff, so yeah. One of the last verses she completely changed. Um, oh, when it's finished, you'll kiss the butt of my gun. One in your head and one for my man. You've got what you gave by my gold band. And now my turn for the old bang bang. I wish she had kept that my turn for the old bang bang because it makes me think of Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, a song from the 60s about yeah. James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and bang, bang, my baby shot me down. Nancy mm, Sinatra. That too, yeah. what's in the demo and then the final version when they talk about suicide and after she shot the guy she committed suicide i'm coming rudy so she's basically saying it's basically saying she killed herself to be reunited rudy and so i just think that oh when it's finished you kiss the butt of my gun one in your head one for my man you know now my turn to old thing it's much more evocative it's more subtle than just saying like in the in the final song just you hear the back and so she committed suicide this is just more subtle and interesting mm-hmm. and you can like, and you can interpret it in different ways too. You could almost maybe see it as she was gunned down by police or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, but I agree. I, I like the, I wish that she'd kept some of these lyrics in the recorded version, but that's okay. At least we have both. Yeah. Versions. Because yeah, at least we have both. And also the, this version doesn't have the booty. And Mm-mm. it also has the Rudy at the end, which are such no, classics. I know. So, yeah. So, I mean, as you said, like, this version is more pretty and less raw and angry. And I think that applies to both the singing style and the lyrics. And maybe for the lyrics, that's not as good of a, Maybe the lyrics suffer a bit for being less pretty and poetic. But either way, it's The Wedding List is just such a fun, great song. I, it just, it, yes, yeah, it's a blast, and it's it's a fan favorite for a reason. You know, like it's that's a lot of her. It's really hard to find fans of hers that don't like this song. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but it just it's just such a blast. 
I think we pretty much covered everything. I'm looking over our notes here. I think we pretty much covered it all. Yeah, pretty much. Just like bottom line is like laugh this song and have a fun time to it. It is mm-hmm. fun. And like play it for friends and like be, like get them into it. It's, it's just fun as fuck. Oh, sorry, Dad. It's fun. It's it's fun as hell. It's very fun. It's quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun for me to blast this in the car when I'm driving. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get on. It, it gets also, you going. Yeah, it does. And honestly, there have been times where I'm pissed at someone. It channels that energy. Like When you're mad at someone, just play this song and like get into it. And you're like, I put them on the wedding list. It's you. It's, I mean, I'm also a kind of vindictive person, but even if I wasn't, like, there have been times in my life where I'm pissed at someone, so I'm like, I listen to the wedding list, and I, like, it gets out that anger and aggression, that's great. Mm-hmm. Healthier outlet than action than what she does in the song. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show today. Yay! It's always great to talk to you. You're welcome. Yeah, and we'll talk about pedophilia tomorrow. Woo! Of course, yeah, so we'll see you next time. <laughs> for... Except it's actually not. I know, except that he he. Well, we we we'll we'll see all about that. That'll be in. Well, we're recording it tomorrow, but it won't be released for another two weeks. Sorry, people, you have to wait two weeks. He he he. For the for a very fun, but it'll be worth it because the infant kiss is a very complex and amazing song that a lot of people don't know the interesting backstory behind. So yeah. excited to talk more about that. And also, my favorite vocal performance of hers of her entire career. We're just saying a lot because <laughs> she's like everything to me. So, yep. Hello Earth was kind of close, but this is my favorite vocal of her ever. So, yeah, I'm doing all the three names songs. <laughs> all right. Oh, my God, you're right. They all start with Well, not all of them. Yeah, like, all, you have, all you ever look for is in and then breathing, mm. but, you know, it's all good. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song or a few songs that you would love to talk about for a future episode, or if you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, then here's where you can contact me. You can tweet at me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast. You can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Kate Bush Podcast. Or you can even email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. Join us for the seventh song for the Never Forever season, where I'm going to get to talk with Christopher Kelly all about violin. See everybody next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 